0: We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, good morning. Good morning, morning. Uh, it's good to gather together. Um, do uh, come and grab your seats. My name's Chris, and uh, I lead uh, the team that leads the church here, and uh, so I'm uh, one of the pastors here, uh, along with Phil and uh, Johnny, who's currently on, he's driving back from Cardiff at the moment, and uh, is about to go off to Skegness. He wants to go to Skegness, uh, he's about to go off to there, he's doing some uh, gigs there, Spring Harvest, yeah, which is good. Anyway, to go to Jesus is going to Spring Harvest, yeah, so good. So, uh, yeah, hi, so I'm Chris. And um, we're carrying on this morning, the Beatitudes, and uh, we've got a free book. I'm sort of mentioning this over the last few weeks, and uh, at the end of the meeting, if you want to grab, you can grab one of these as loads on the sort of desk just outside. And uh, this book, each uh, chapter in the book just takes one of these Beatitudes, and what it means is that each week, like during the week, so after, we're going to do number two today, and uh, our, like during the week, you can sort of read uh, the chapter, it gives you some points to pray about. Let you know a bit more about Commission, which is the family of churches that we belong to. And so it's a good resource to have. It's all free. You can grab it at the back. And uh, so we're going through this series and hopefully that will help you. Next week we're going to break from the series because we've got Easter. And uh, so do come and come back, come and celebrate Easter together. We'll have great kids work on for, for the sort of under 16s and uh, we'll have a good morning. So, so that's next week. And we've called this series The Beatitudes, and that's a bit of a weird word, isn't it? It's a quite a Christian word, and you might be thinking, what does that even mean? Well, let me help you out. Most Bibles, in most Bibles, at the start of Matthew chapter 5, they have this word, the Beatitudes, and that is the section of, uh, of Matthew that we're, gonna, we're reading each week and that we're going through. It's just the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. And... Um, Basically, what the word means is it's a statement of blessedness or a condition of flourishing. These statements appear throughout the Bible, actually, not just in Matthew chapter 5. They appear throughout the Bible, especially in the Psalms. And um, they are always about people and not about God. So they're always statements about people, about the condition of people. And also, they are not um, a list of jobs to do. They're not do-attitudes, they're be-attitudes. They're who you are uh, in your being. This is through God, this is who you are. That's what the Beatitudes are. And we're going through each of these like one week at a time. There's nine in those 12 verses, the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. And we'll read the whole of those 12 verses each week, but we'll focus on one. And at the heart of the Beatitudes is the kingdom of God and and. Us people and our part to play in that, and often throughout the Bible, the kingdom of God is always spoken uh, about through the analogy of kind of like seed and harvest time and farming, these kind of analogies. And so, you'll see these pictures coming out each week. Um, uh, Guy Miller, who started off our series, he got an apple and uh, uh, used that as an analogy and bit into the apple and showed us the seeds that are inside and showed how actually. Often when we look at an apple, we see an apple, but what God sees is a seed-carrying device, that when that apple then dies, it's a picture of a resurrection, when it dies actually the seeds from the apple (coughs) spring out and you get, rather than just one apple, a whole orchard of apple trees that produce much apples. And that's the kingdom of God, it's a multiplying kingdom that flourishes and thrives. And uh, This week I want you to have in mind a picture of a field. And this field has no crops in it yet. It's dry. It's barren. And before the farmer can go through and put seed down, what does he need to do? He needs to churn it up, doesn't he? He needs to plough the field. That's what the farmers do. They plough the field. They go through and they churn it all the way through. And I'll, I want you to have that in your mind because um, that whole process of churning and and Digging up something that is settled can be quite painful. It can be hard. It can feel uncomfortable. And often our lives can be like that. We, we kind of we do everything we can to settle down and to keep the status quo. And we don't want to have our minds ploughed, our, our lives ploughed. We don't, we don't often want our, our hearts to be ploughed over. And this morning, I feel that God might be doing some ploughing in us. And all of the ploughing, the purpose of that is to bring great fruit, a great harvest. It's to sow seed and see that seed flourish and thrive. And if you just scatter seed on dry, hard ground, it's not going to do much. But as you plough the ground, as you water it, as you let the seeds plant in, actually there's a great flourishing and fruitfulness that can happen in your life. And so I want you to be open to that. And all that to say that... Uh, the verse 4, which is what we're focusing on, is this verse here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. As Phil mentioned earlier, this is this week that we lead into, 2,000 years ago or so, was the week that Jesus was leading up to his death. Uh, there was lots of mourning in that week. Jesus uh, knew what it meant to mourn when he saw loved ones around him die. And uh, we're going to be speaking this morning about this morning about mourning uh, about death, and um, this and and also the comfort that can be found in the face of of death in the face of our own mortality in the face of those loved ones around us, in the face of our community and i 'm going to give some personal testimony of my own experience of mourning this morning, and uh, i 'm just very aware that this is a very sensitive topic um, and that Often, our society our society doesn't like to speak on this topic. It's, it's difficult to talk about kind of death and mourning and that process. And so, um, right from the start, I want to say that if you feel like at any point that you need to sh- step out, then I want you to feel relaxed too, uh, to feel free to. Often, people will get up and go and get kids or go to the toilet or whatever. So, you know, don't, don't worry about what anyone else is thinking. I want you to feel free to do that. And also, I'll just recognise that because this is such a sensitive issue, that it is possible for me to offend. Uh, in fact, it's probable that I will. And I want you to know that that is not my heart intention. Actually, my heart intention is to speak on this topic from a biblical perspective. And to help us to see what does the Bible have to say about this topic of mourning. Is that okay? Cool. Cool. So let's, let's read the passage then. It's in Matthew chapter 5. Hopefully you found it now. Uh, if you haven't, don't worry. It's going to appear on the screen as well. So it says this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst." For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we're looking at uh, this today specifically in verse 4, topic of mourning, uh, with the ploughed field in mind. And basically the way I'm structuring this morning's talk is I'm going to ask you three questions. I'm going to ask a question and we're going to unpack it, then ask another, unpack it, ask another, unpack it. And then we'll come to the end and I'll share some personal testimony in it as well. So the first question for you is this. Are you prepared for your own death? For some, it, it might feel like a long, a long, long way away. For others, it might feel much closer to home. But the reality is, is that none of us know when we will die. None of us know when that will happen. And the question is, are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for your own death? We heard a few weeks ago from Guy Miller how each of these blessed statements these beatitudes, they build on each other. And so the person who is comforted when mourning is also the person who is poor in spirit and who knows that they will inherit the kingdom of God. That's where it all starts. And so it's important for us just to go back to that for a moment because the reality is that the only way to inherit the kingdom of God is to know that you are poor in spirit. The Bible calls you spiritually dead, every single person in the world, spiritually dead, unable to do anything for themselves, Unable to dig their way out of the pit that they find themselves in. Many people in this life will will kind of think, well, what pit? I'm absolutely fine. What are you talking about? I'm not in a pit. Thank you very much. I'm fine. Well, that pit that the Bible talks about is, the, is a pit that's created by the depth of our sin. Sin is anything that is against the will of God, and it is in our very nature. And uh, we sin all the time. And when you pause to think about your life, the way that you think about others, the you treat others, the way you think about yourself and treat yourself, the way the things that you do, the things that you don't do, when you weigh that all up against God's holy standards, you are found wanting. This is sin, and this is a deep pit. You're unable to dig yourself out of it. Uh, you're dead at the bottom, unable to do anything to save yourself. You are poor in spirit, spiritually dead and cut off from God. And some people choose to live their lives in the pit and try to make that as comfortable as possible, ignoring the walls around them, pitting off any thoughts of what might be above or what might be beyond, and focusing on themselves until they die. Others try to do things to climb out of the pit. They might try to find causes that they can feel proud about. They might try to find things that they can... um, Achieving and be successful in and and often it can be good things, so often christians are are ones that do this. oh well, if I do this and do that and do that, then I might be able to climb the walls of the pit, and ultimately both people are deceived the The ones trying to climb the pit often will look down on others that maybe are further down the pit than themselves, and they just have pride and arrogance and think, "'Oh, look at you, and they just look down on others and uh, and then some people just sit in the pit and kind of make it comfortable and don't think about anything. And um, both are deceived. You can't work your way out, nor is it any good ignoring it. But the Bible says that blessed is the person who is poor in spirit, who knows that they are in the pit and knows that the only way out is through Jesus. When you come to know this, then you are able to respond to Jesus, to repent, to receive forgiveness, to know joy, to be able to know peace, even in the face of sickness, disease, decay, and in even death, because you know that there is more to life than just what you see around you. In Mark chapter 2, uh, there is a paralyzed man who is in this state. He is unable to do anything for himself. He can't clean himself, wash himself, feed himself. He can't get a job. He can't work. He can't do anything. And uh, he needs his friends to do anything for him. Or any family. And so what happens is his friends, they put him on a mat and they carry him to Jesus. They lower him through a roof and they lay him at Jesus' feet. And Jesus doesn't just kind of say, well, let me make you a little bit better now, but not worry about your soul. Let me heal. He doesn't do any of that. Actually, what he does first is he says, your sins are forgiven. That's what, when Jesus sees this man who's paralyzed, unable to do anything... His first concern is not his paralysis, but it's his soul. And so he, he forgives his sin. He, he looks at the soul. He then ultimately goes on and heals him. But his first priority is that. Ultimately, what this world needs is kingdom transformation. It doesn't need kind of wishy-washy, well, it's all going to be okay. It will pan out in the end. I'm sure you'll be in a better place. No, actually what the world needs is to know Jesus. It needs kingdom transformation and um, it needs the topic of death to be ploughed over, to be uncovered and talked about and it needs uh, Christians to not be arrogant or proud but to be humble and secure in what the Bible says about it. Are you sure and certain of the hope that you long for? I, my prayer is that none of us would... Uh, you know, if we are going to live our lives as Christians, that we wouldn't get to the end and at that point be wobbling and worrying. Actually, that is the time to be secure in your faith. And we do that in the times where the sun is shining. That's when we dig our roots deep, where we stand on God's word, where we press into him. And we talked about uh, all that it, how to grow in relationship with God last week. Because before we can help anyone, before we can talk to anyone about it, we need to know what it means to be blessed when we are mourning what it means to be comforted by God. And we need to know that there is inheritance to be found in God, in the kingdom, and all of this comes from understanding us, the state of our lives. Jesus says this in uh, John 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going. And then Thomas turned and said, Oh Lord, we don't know. You didn't understand. Where are you going? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, because... And you have seen him. Why? And the the, uh, implication is because you've seen Jesus. Because Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus is God. And so I want to ask you again, are you prepared for your death? Have you given yourself time outside of illness and outside of pressured situations to allow your thinking of death to be ploughed by the Bible and the good news of Jesus? The world around us doesn't need Christians facing ill health and death and then panicking about their status before god no it needs christians who are secure have a deep sense of peace in the face of sickness and illness that there can be assurance to be found in knowing god and living life with him even in the face of death knowing that death is not the end death has no sting for those who who know jesus last week we talked about yeah growing in our relationship with god and standing firm in him and i just want to ask you one more time are you prepared are you preparing your heart? Are you ready? Are you taking the time in the sunshine and the good weather to dig your roots deep into him, into his foundation, into his word, into all that it means to be saved by grace? Blessed are the poor in spirit because they know that they can't add anything to their salvation. They have nothing to offer God. They are in a deep pit, but because of God, because God is merciful and gracious, he extends his arm to them through his son Jesus. And in him, they can know salvation, forgiveness. They can be made right with God. They can be at peace with God, even in death, knowing that it's not the end, but that there is a great inheritance to be received in God's kingdom through this son Jesus. Amen? Okay, my second question is this. It's a fun morning, hey? <laughs> my second question is this. Are you prepared for the death of loved ones? another and perhaps more accurate way of translating the word makarios, which is the Greek word that has been translated blessed in this, in the NIV version. And a better way of translating that is flourishing. So this verse could read, flourishing are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And uh, you might think, really? Flourishing? Is that, when I think of mourning, is flourishing the word that would come to mind? I'm not sure. And so it's good to ask ourselves, are we prepared for the death of loved ones and for that state of mourning that we can come into? Let let me tell you a little bit about my experience of mourning. Um, And uh, I, in September 2016, so just two and a half years ago, my my dad died at the age of 62. And uh, he was pro- it was probably the first major experience of death that I had really kind of experienced myself. Um, I'd no grandparents to die, and auntie 's uncles and sort of people in the church, but um, in terms of someone that was really close to me, um, it, my, my dad dying was probably the first experience that I had of that and um, my dad My mum and dad they were both Christians, and they, uh, my mum was a missionary she 's a white British lady. Um, and she's, uh, she was a missionary in Congo for about 20 years, and that's where they met, and uh, they served God out there. Uh, because of war, we moved to England, and they served God here. They would do lots of good things, like every year send a 40-foot container full of like engines and tractors and bikes and mattresses and fridges back to Africa to help people there. They would help people in the community here. They're, I really looked up to them, actually, in, in lots of ways, and, and still do. And um, my dad had been, for a couple of months, just complaining about some stomach pains, but nothing was coming up from blood tests or anything like that. And then in August 2016, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and it was ter- like it spread everywhere. And exactly one month later in September, he died. And so it was all quite quick, and, uh, and he was quite young. And uh, in, in the last few days before he died... Um, he was basically bedridden and couldn't really do a lot himself. He, the last day or so, he couldn't really speak. But just before that, he spoke to us as a family. And in a Jeremy Carl style moment, he dropped a massive bombshell. And he talked about uh, a sin that he had partaken in about 30 years before. And I won't go into all the details, but it had repercussions throughout our whole family. And it was quite a horrific moment. It was really hard because suddenly you're faced with the anger at the sin and cancer and trying to mourn that your dad's about to die whilst also being angry at his sin. How come he's kept this covered for 30 years? All the times he could have talked to us about it. And marrying that up with my own perception of him as being like a good father, a good person, and a Christian, and how could he do this? And and suddenly you can't really talk to him about it, you can't get angry because he's, he's, bed, you know, you can't beat him up, like, he's sick and dying. And how do you handle that situation? That's, this is just a couple of years ago and we're still dealing with it all today. And um, a real mix, I guess, of emotions and try, trying to learn how to process all that. What do you do in that moment? What do you do? Well, we were singing, lean hard on the everlasting arms of the Father. And uh, I, I guess that's what we did. One thing that really stuck in my mind was that, so about yeah, 36 hours before he actually died, um, we were like, the Bible must say something about this. And so my brother got the Bible out and uh, he turned to the Psalms. The Psalms are great because they, they talk about all kind of pain and suffering and how to deal with all these kind of things. And um, he turned to Psalm 103, and uh, there was a real sense of God's presence and peace in that moment as we, as we gather together, as we talk to our Father. And, and let, me, let me read some of the, I'll put it on the screen as well. Psalm 103, verse 2 says this, Praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. We've been talking about pit this morning, have not we? He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Imagine my father hearing this. Unbelievable. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. I tell you, in that moment, I understood what it meant to be flourishing in the morning. I understood what it meant to be comforted by God. In that situation and uh, knowing that we are all poor in spirit far from God deep in our own pit all sinners no one better than anyone else forgiven only by God's grace that leads to flourishing in the midst of great mourning and sadness and being comforted by God and it's a remarkable moment as we remember that we're all sinners no one is exempt no one is like it doesn't matter what, what you do who you are what you think you've done or not done Actually, compared to God, we are all on an equal footing, all kind of lost, all sinners. But in God, when we put our trust in him, we can also all know forgiveness and freedom and grace and mercy. And uh, being together in that room in those final few days was just remarkable. And um, there's an amazing sense of just God's presence and seeing him restore and heal and bring forgiveness and, and just work in that situation... And I have to be honest, I don't know what those few days would have been like if we weren't Christians or if my dad wasn't Christians. I don't know. What what do you do? I I do not know. I don't know what the answer would be. I don't know where do you turn. What do you look at for a source of stability, a source of comfort? Where do you go to in that situation? I do not know. And do you know what that just makes me so sad and terrified because there are many people and there probably are in this room that have known friends and loved ones who die perhaps in those circumstances and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say but I do think that there is hope that there can be hope even in those situations the reason why I mention that is because uh, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he had two people next to him, uh, a thief and a murderer or something. They'd both done bad things. And in their dying moments, one of them put their faith, their trust basically in Jesus. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in heaven in paradise. And we don't know what happens in people's hearts the moment that... You know, in in those last few moments, we don't know. God does know. We don't know, but God does know, and He is gracious and compassionate, and He is merciful, and I believe that we can we can receive actually much comfort in those moments um, as we just come and trust in God. And I'd encourage you, if you find yourself in that situation where you're with a loved one who perhaps doesn't know Jesus, to I'd encourage you to be bold and courageous in those moments to pull out your Bible and give them an opportunity to to know about Jesus. And to, and to give them, they can find comfort in him, even if they've never known him his whole life, their whole lives, they can. 2 Peter 3 says this, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God doesn't want anyone to perish, and He is patient. He's given people opportunities all the time to come to know Him, and you know who does God use to provide those opportunities? Well, it's us. It's the people that know God, and so I want to encourage us to be taking them. Are you taking? Are you taking those opportunities to let people know about Him? Are you preparing for the death of your loved ones? Um, and are you are you getting ready? Are you are you preparing like yourself in your heart for those moments when it will come? Because I think, as far as I remember, the stats still say that 100% of people will die. Mm-hmm. It's true. Every And also, every single one of us will experience someone else dying around us. And so, are we preparing ourselves? Because when you get in that situation, that's not the time to prepare yourself, is it? Uh, you, so, we need to prepare ourselves now. Or, or, you know, we need to be preparing ourselves continually. And um, I don't want, me personally, I don't want anyone, any of my friends... To ever be able to say to me, I guess on the other side of life, why didn't you ever tell me? Why didn't you? Bad- if you knew this good news, why didn't you badger me and tell me about it? Why didn't you? Why didn't you take the time to to invite me every single year to Christmas? And every- you know, yes, I might have said no. Yes, I might have. Re- but why didn't you just keep like this is good news? Why didn't you tell me? I don't want any of my friends to be able to say that, or any of my family. And I'm afraid that right now, perhaps some of them could. And so just preparing this, I was like, flip. This is. This is key, isn't it? And it all stems back from that first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they know a peace that surpasses all understanding. In the midst of death, they carry the good news of God's word, and they can be comforted by the amazing grace and mercy of God. This is question three. Are you prepared for the death of our community? After my dad's death, we had a funeral and a Thanksgiving service, and we invited everyone to it, you know, the church, our neighbours, our family, our friends, and um, my our, my parents' neighbours, they came, and they'd been neighbours for 25 years, they, they'd never come to church, they weren't Christians. Um, their kids and us went to the same school, I, I even think one of my brothers dated one of their girls, but it didn't, it didn't really work out, and... Um, We'd known each other for years, 25 years, they, they were living next door. They heard about my dad's death, they were shocked at how young he was and they wanted to pay their respects and so they came to the funeral and they came to the Thanksgiving service and I don't think they'd ever really been to a Christian service like that before and uh, during the service, one by one, my siblings and I, um, I've got three siblings, so there's four of us all together, uh, we got up and um, I guess really from that moment in those last few days, we you know, we we got up and we just talked. We didn't talk about that, but we talked about uh, just funny stories uh, about what we remembered about our dad. We we gave God thanks for his life and the, all he all that he'd done in his life. We um, the the whole uh, funeral service was joyous, and we sang and we praised God and we gave thanks for all that he'd done in him and through him. And this family, um, I remember they were just they were sitting towards the back, and they were just in tears and. Uh, at the end, I, I went to speak to them and um, they, they just couldn't believe that as siblings, we weren't angry at cancer, angry at the death, angry, you know, the, they just couldn't believe it. They were thinking oh, about their own, they were evaluating their own life and their own death and what would be said at their own kind of funeral. And they just, they, they never imagined that it could be like what they had experienced in that moment. And in those moments where you take your time to evaluate your own life, um, God can do amazing things. And he did in their lives. Uh, they, yeah, like I said, they couldn't believe all of this. And I remember talking to them afterwards, and they're like, how can, you, how can you be like that? The only response I had was, because we know God, because we, we know where Dad is going. We can be certain of that. We're sure and certain of this hope that we have. The family, they, they went on to find out more. They went and did an Alpha course, uh, they then joined a church. They became Christians. They got baptised. And uh, amazingly, even in death, God can use that for good, uh, for the saving of lives. And uh, the whole family now go to church. And they—they they, it's two and a half years they've been going. They, they, they love it. And I wonder, what, how, what, how are you preparing for the death of our community? We sing songs like, break my heart for what breaks yours, uh, That's a Christian song that we sing sometimes. And I wonder, if tears are ink, how stained is your face for our community? Are you prepared for the death of your neighbours, colleagues, friends? These groups of people are often the hardest to reach because they're the ones that we see each day, day in, day out. They're they're the ones that we invite sometimes and then uh, they said no and do I want to invite them again or... You know, and it's hard because we kind of want to appear normal and relevant and not weird. And, and it can be hard. And sometimes coming into church, coming into a service, like that, it can be weird. And you know, people are holding their hands up and sometimes they're singing out loud. Where do you do that apart from at a football match? And, and it can be odd. And, and yet, yeah, the, the, the ground needs to be turfed up and ploughed in order for the harvest to come. That means uncomfortable moments sometimes, often. And uh, if we're going to see God's kingdom, then I believe that we need to plough the ground, turfing over the soil so that hearts of our friends, colleagues, neighbours, family can be ready to receive the gospel. And so how are we preparing? Uh, you know, I've been talking about our, ourselves, our, our loved ones and our community. How, let's start with the last one. How are we preparing the community as a church? Well, things like ready for action, like the community fun day they are ways in which we start to just turf over the soil and just plow the ground as we take opportunities to show uh, the community that what church is really like as we take opportunities to, to to give them i don't know a free burger or a free leaflet or something like that and and give them time to take that moment to ask questions why would they do that why would they why would they give something like free for that as we go and help people's gardens and and we just we just turf in the ground a bit and we're just getting it ready so that if they were able to come in, then they could hear something of the good news of Jesus. And um, so we, we, we can turf over expectations of what church is like and what people are like that go to church by getting into our community and by doing things that uh, are just fun and relevant. And we just help to do stuff like that and then invite them on later on to things that they can then come to. What about your friends and family and your close ones? <coughs> What opportunities or where are you finding opportunities to do some ploughing in their lives? Giving people seeds, things to chew on, things to think about. You know, is it time again to have your neighbours over for a tea and coffee or a cheese and wine evening? Is it time again to just extend out a hand of friendship to them and, and just, just talk to them? You know, is it time again to, to just take an opportunity to do something with, with those people around you that you know, that know you well? And then lastly, how are you preparing yourself? Do you know God? Have you grasped the gospel? are you just trying to dig your way out of a pit to do good things that you think will appease a far off God? Or do you know him? Are you in a relationship with him? Are you enjoying his presence? Are you spending time with him? Do you know deeply that you are loved by him? Not because of what you do, but because of who you are. These, these, these beatitudes, these blessings, they're not statements of things to do. They are, they are statements of who you are in Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, Jesus has prepared a room for you if you've put your trust in him. You can be secure and confident in that. So how are you preparing yourself? How are you preparing yourself for your own death, but also how are you preparing yourself for in those moments when you're faced with a crisis you know, like I was with my dad. How are you preparing yourself for those moments? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. These people proclaim the kingdom of God. They plough fields. They know that this is good news. They give opportunities to share it. They care for those that don't know Jesus. And uh, they are comforted by God even in their mourning. Can we get the band back up? We've got, um, we've got some time. We've got just under 20 minutes. And what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to just come back to God. Ultimately, do you know what? Jesus knows what it means to mourn. He he knows what it means to prepare for his own death. He knows what it means to mourn the the loss and the death of the others around him. He knows what it means to care for the community and those at large. He knows what it means to want to care for the needs of the people around him. He identifies with us in in that. In our deepest need, he identifies with us and does something about it. And, you know, it's a good opportunity for us just to come back to him, to focus our eyes on him again. And there'll be ways over this, these next few minutes in which we can respond. But I think the best way we can respond is just come back to worship of God, worship of Jesus, to uh, allow him, again, just to speak to us. And, um, and we'll go from there. So shall we stand together? Just going to pray father God um, this morning as we as we come and just talk about and and seek you in a topic that 's so difficult and uncomfortable Lord God we, we kind of identify with you in that we, we know that deep down within us there is something about death that we are we recognise is evil and that we are not made for. And uh, Lord, uh, I just pray, Lord God, that for any of us who are in that midst, in the moment of facing a friend or a long, uh, loved one who, who is towards the end of their life, Lord, I pray, would you give us strength and confidence in you? Would you help us, Lord God, to be comforted in our mourning? Lord, for those of us who maybe have lost someone in the last few years, Lord God, and just carrying that and hurting with that, Lord, actually, I pray, Lord God, would you comfort us. Thank you, Lord God, that you are a comforting God. Lord, for those of us, Lord, who who are worried about our own death, Lord, actually, I pray, would you draw near to us even now. Lord God, help us to remember that this isn't the end, that there's so much more to come from this. Lord God, there's so much more to be found in you. Father, I pray for our community, Lord. I pray for all those around us, Lord God. And I thank you for the good news that we carry of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that in Him we can we can know grace and forgiveness and peace, Lord God. We can know everlasting life, and and I pray, Lord God, that uh, you would give us, Lord God, confidence and courage, Lord God, to to be confident of the good news, Lord God, that this is. Lord, I, I thank you for the stories throughout the Gospels, Lord God, where we hear Jesus and he and he goes alongside people and, yeah, it's not their healing that's most concerned to him, but it's their soul. And even the, the disciples as they walk through and, you know, the, the, the lame man asks for silver and gold, the beggar asks for silver and gold. They say, hey, silver and gold we don't have. We know that's what you think you, you want, but what we have is something you need, the Holy Spirit. And so I pray, Lord God, help us to be people that that have the confidence to carry the gospel, the good news, Lord God, of Jesus, that we will see, Lord God, that this is what people ultimately need. Of course they need all the other stuff, but this is what they ultimately need. And I pray, help us to be confident in that, secure in that, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us, Sundays 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.